Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We've reached the midweek of week 10 of the fantasy football season and also the monster week upcoming in college football. We'll get to it all as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish and Joe Pizzapia with you here. It's the midweek edition of the show as we close in on a, another fantasy football week. And then, of course, the monster that is ahead of us this week in college football. The biggest week of the season, no question. The uh, playoff teams were announced yesterday. That will shift around a lot. We'll get to that in a second. We got uh, Sean Guastamaki produced the show, as always. You catch the show later today at the betting window over on Sports Grid this weekend. Joe Bizabia will be hanging out with the guys, helping you with DFS and helping you with your fantasy football lineups. And Joe, we start off the show with what could end up being an end of an era in the NFL and maybe in fantasy, maybe in reality. Um, you know, it's a, a pretty hot topic for everybody, and it really has nothing to do with anyone that's going to be playing this week. As former NFL MVP Cam Newton was placed on injured reserve, and it's now Kyle Allen's team. And, and look, there are some whispers that Newton could be available for the playoffs and could come back in five or six weeks. But look, let's be realistic, Joe. If Kyle Allen takes his team to the playoffs, uh, we've seen the last of Cam Newton not only this year, but maybe in Carolina. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. If this team somehow finds its way into the playoffs, how in God's name are you going to switch quarterbacks at that point in time? And, and would you want to? Why Why would you do that to the flow of the offense and what's going on if things are going that well that you're all of a sudden playing games in January? And that seems unlikely, but anything's possible here in the NFL, as we know. And you mentioned it being the end of an era, and it very well might be. You know, Cam Newton's had a, a bunch of injuries now the last few years, and the style of play that he's been out there, you know, he's taken a lot of hits. He was a running quarterback, a bigger running quarterback. He was the guy that wanted the ball in his hand. And uh, unfortunately, here at this point in his career, I think you can all we can all sit here and agree that it's basically taken its toll on him physically and up to the point now where you're wondering, OK, what's the investment in a Cam Newton going forward? And I'm sure some team will take that shot oh, because yeah. there's upside mm-hmm. there, especially if you have a good offensive line. And in a year where we're looking at a fair amount of, I'd say, quarterback turnover potentially from this year to next. And a lot of those guys like the Winston's being gone potentially from their spot, the Mariotas, who knows what Tannehill is. There's there's a lot of situations here where there's going to be some open jobs. So if you had a landing spot for Cam Newton, would it be back with Carolina or would it be somewhere else in 2020? Well, look, it's it's very hard to say. It could be a show-me deal on a one-year deal, Joe, because remember that Carolina uh, is going to have a very low pick in the draft. And by low, meaning that even if Carolina's 8-8, eight and eight, <laughs> that's not good enough for the first 20 picks in the draft. You know, like there's... There's so many bad teams, and in Carolina, maybe best served to bring them back on a one-year deal and see. Uh, look, you know, would Cam they Newton, with Will Greer in there? I'm just curious yeah, because I know yeah, you're a college no, no, guy. No. Okay, yeah, I, listen, I love Will Greer. He played at Florida. He got suspended for uh, PEDs, and then they let him go 
ended up having a really good year at West Virginia. But um, of all of the players, and I don't put too much into the senior bowl and I don't put too much into the practices, but of all the players that showed up for that, Joe, they said the player that needed the most work in a pro style offense was Will Greer. So I, I think it's I think you're you're years away from him, okay. two, maybe three years. If so all, right. Yeah. And maybe and maybe he ends up being great, but I don't think you're getting better in Will Greer than you are Kyle Allen. So uh the the interesting point is is the point that you made. What you have to ask yourself is this with six or seven quarterbacks that you can count on on a weekly basis, literally, no more than that, there are 20 landing spots for Cam Newton. So we can't just sit here and say, oh, I believe it's Tampa. Oh, I believe it's Chicago. Oh, I believe it's, uh, I mean, you could come up with a million teams. Uh, Indianapolis, why not? Like, there's a million teams out there yeah, that could funny. be a possibility. I never of Chicago, but that's an interesting one. It could be. It, it could be. <laughs> Listen, there's a million spots for this guy. My guess is he leaves. My guess is... Is is it's Cam Newton, arguably in the last 10 years, one of the more popular players in the NFL with his own ego. My guess is he says, you know what, I'm going to shock the world or I'm going to show the world. And then again, I'm just guessing. Remember, he's also a player, uh, Joe, that played at the University of Florida, got kicked out of there too. played Mm -hmm. for Auburn, uh, was amazing, had one of the best college football seasons of all time as a quarterback there until Tebow came around and then Tebow was better. So. I would guess this is it. I would. I would guess this is it. But if the market doesn't present itself the way that he wants to, then he could go back. My guess is, Joe, the market will present itself a scenario. Cam Newton is going to be better in this offseason than 15 to 20 other quarterbacks that are out there, man. Like it's I know it. I know that it doesn't seem like that when you just kind of think and then you close your eyes and you start thinking, Okay, like, wait a second. There really aren't there really isn't anyone (laughs) available. And then otherwise you're in the draft and Carolina's draft is going to be low. So uh, I think it is a Kyle Allen Greer deal next year. And if Allen struggled, then you may see Greer that opportunity. But I like Newton on a one year uh, massive deal, 20 million, 18 million, something wild, like the Jay Cutler deal when he was with Miami, something like that, mm-hmm. and approve it. And and if he does, then I think he gets a long term deal somewhere else. That's, Denver that's makes sense to you know, just yeah, everywhere sitting around here. Sense, where does no, it make well, sense? well, I mean, uh, Trubisky would be interesting. You know, if he was ended up in you know threatening Trubisky, that would be interesting. But from a financial standpoint, probably unlikely. But I'm trying to think to myself, okay, oh, who's got to avoid team, Joe? Well, we can, but we also, like you said, it's a hybrid situation of every team that needs a quarterback but doesn't have a draft pick high enough to get the next guy. And even if they did have a draft pick to invest, what are the chances of that guy starting in 2020? And the Denver Broncos come to mind automatically, too, because if Locke, they're not happy with how things are progressing there, or they think they have him, but they want to get somebody else in there in the meantime to be competitive football-wise, Cam Newton lines up perfectly there. You've got not one but two running backs. You're capable of running the football and protecting him a little bit that way. And you have a a guy in Cortland Sutton, a very capable young wide receiver there. And I think that's a setup. Like Again, it's a setup right off the top that I would think is very beneficial for Cam Newton, very beneficial for the organization. And they have the capper because they don't have bad investments on offensive players that you go, oh, man, they're paying too much for this guy or that guy. They kind of have the cap space to make it work. Tampa Bay, Chicago, Tennessee, um, you know, across. Do you think league. he's an Arians type? Do you think that's that's sure, where he were? Sure. Yeah, I, I think he's a he's a one year fix for a team that is the borderline seven and nine, eight and eight that thinks that they could get one guy and take them over the top. That's that's kind of what he is. And it could and be the end of the Ron Rivera era too. You mentioned end of errors. This could be everybody. Kind Maybe of saying, I feel like he's done a good job though. I don't. Know. I Maybe. think he has too. I honestly like I'm I'm hard pressed to go looking out and I say, well, there's a lot of coaches better on the free agent coaching no, carousel like than Ron Rivera. I don't see that, but. 
you can make the argument if they don't make the playoffs, maybe they just wipe the slate clean completely. I think that would be a mistake yeah, for the Panthers. May- maybe, maybe. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's update, he feels better, uh, unclear on practice. They play Miami. And I don't think that you can look at this and, and not take anything serious at this point because the, the way that Miami has played the last few weeks, they've been very competitive in games. Uh, can the Colts win without him? Sure. Uh, but this is a game they have to win now at this point. The Colts are going to be battling this thing out with a lot of other teams. But, Joe, we'll find out more later today and tomorrow. Uh, it seems like he has a chance to play if not Brian Hoyer gets a start. Does he, Hoyer have any fantasy value for you? Uh, only in a two quarterback league this particular week, because in the super flex, you have so many teams on a bye this week. Again, this is a huge bye week. So th- there's an opportunity where you might be in a pickle and you might need to have somebody out there. So especially you got a couple injuries, too. Uh, so it's very possible you could be firing up Hoyer and it's a good matchup. And, you know, Hoyer's capable. He's not great, but he's capable. You know, no less capable than the Matt Moores or the Matt Schaubs. And those guys have gone out there and been OK in super flex, too. So I think it's all right. All right, what we'll do is we'll take a quick timeout. We got the opening drive up next. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Plenty more to come. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today. It is the opening drive on this November 6th, 2019. Joe Pizzapia, Craig Mish with you as we get the ball rolling on this Wednesday. It's a midweek edition. We had some college basketball last night, some uh, pretty big upsets, too. Wow, like the top teams not playing well out of the gate, that's for sure. But first, let's get back to some NFL. The owner of the Chargers came out yesterday, Joe, and was quoted with a bunch of F-bombs and and. B-bombs and L-bombs and T-bombs and Z-bombs. Man, uh, I mean, the Chargers basically tweeted out the meme of uh, of the Wolf of Wall Street saying, we're not going anywhere. We're not going to London. And then the owner comes out and says, we're not going anywhere. We're staying in Los Angeles. And then, of course, Old Takes Exposed, the great uh, you know Twitter, and, and uh, I know the guy personally lives here in South Florida who runs that, puts a little, uh, yeah, we'll keep a note of that. I don't know, Joe. Like, I, I am not a 100% on anything in sports. I would say that I'm more of the belief that there still is a good shot <laughs> that this happens as opposed to this team staying in L.A. It's nice to say we're staying. It's nice to say that this is our home. But being in L.A. for the Chargers has been an unmitigated disaster. And I don't think that there's any way, let's say, in three years from now that we still see them in L.A. Maybe not London, but I cannot see this team staying. And it's really bad business, I think, for the NFL. It's terrible to have them there. I mean, I was skeptical that L.A. could support one NFL franchise, let alone two now. And it's just, it's, USC is still, I'm sure, outselling all of them combined. I don't know, man. I just, I, I can't wrap my mind around this. And if you can't trust the owner who just moved the team a couple years ago, who can you trust, Craig Mish? I mean, really? 
you know, you can curse and yell and scream all you want about any of this. But the fact of the matter is you hit the nail on the head, which is, are they making money? Mm, yeah. Are they making as much as they could? No. Would they make a lot more in London? <sighs> Absolutely. London, I'm telling you, we talked about on yesterday's show, is ripe for a franchise. They love the NFL over there. The product has been very well received. They're really getting into it. Fantasy football is growing. I can tell you from book sales of the Black Book in UK this year, shockingly good. Okay. Really? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man. It's it's crazy what's going on. Just like I sell books. Uh, I sell baseball books in Japan. I sell football books in UK. And I'm telling you right now, it is unbelievable to see what's going on there in the last couple of years. And all of us over here sitting here in America going, ah, they don't really care. No, you're wrong. They do. They love it. They show up. It's also not a very long season. So it's only eight games there. So it doesn't put a lot of these stadiums out in terms of the soccer or the concerts or the other stuff that they're doing. It's an easy sell. And I'm telling you, the merch sales alone, just in that surrounding area outside London, just the greater UK area would be huge. And I think this would be a great move for them. Will they do it? We'll see. I still say Jacksonville is the team that's going to go over there first. I just feel like that is always going to be the case. But I think the Chargers make a ton of sense, too. If you had to put the Chargers in another city, though, that wasn't London, where would it be? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, who um, can support an NFL franchise here city-wise? You know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the last time this happened, the owner of uh, the Rams came out and said they're not leaving St. Louis. Crunky. And now they hate this guy. For, right. For and then they left St. Louis. Yeah. I thought St. Louis supported that team. I, I, no I do, too. I would be fine with the St. Louis Chargers. But they played in a bad spot. You know, they, they would need a new place. They can't play in that dome. It's just No, uh, that's it, true. It was, it, it, even at the time that they had it, it was not a great place. And they couldn't get a new stadium built there. And so uh, St. Louis, would, would to me, would be fantastic. I just... What we need to do is stay away from my home state here in Florida because sports is just not working here like it should be. So let's not explore any new franchises here. Well, I think part of the reason is, especially in certain parts of Florida, you get seasonal residentship. And I think Same that's in Arizona. That's why Arizona sports is tough, too. I can't disagree with you there. I think you need I, I, you know what? I think it's time for the NFL to start looking at some of these places where college is, college football is king. And if you really commit to it, you can get people to show up there and, and support the team. Maybe. You know, I mean, Oklahoma doesn't have a football team. Why? Yeah, that, Oklahoma that's City the, the basketball loves. team. Yeah, right. from yeah. Seattle to there. All right, second down, uh, Foles officially back. Wow, so uh, Marone went against his worth there. He said he was going to wait a week. He must have looked at that film, like he said, and made that decision pretty easy. I think we thought that this was going to happen, but some really nice Twitter stuff yesterday with the Minshew era basically coming to an end. And, uh, and look, I mean, he had a great run, no question. There's still a chance that he could play, no doubt. If something would happen to Foles or Foles wouldn't play well, at least you know that you have somebody capable but that was an historically bad second half performance from Minshew and, and I think the right move for Jacksonville. By the way, Jacksonville, a pretty uh, nice schedule the rest of the season. They're going to have to win probably four out of five to get in the playoffs, but not unreasonable. No, it's not unreasonable. And Fournette's played fantastic. The defense has played well, even without Jalen Ramsey for the most part. So you know, Jacksonville is still up very much in this hunt as we talked about the playoffs on yesterday's show, which you could listen on demand if you missed it. And I don't know why you would ever miss our show, but you you shouldn't. But you're right. I think it's the right move. It makes sense here. I'm fascinated to see, though, how Foles plays and what that's going to mean for next year. Because if Foles is kind of mediocre, I wonder how quick a trigger might be going into next season where you start the year off maybe with Foles. But you have this guy in Minshew had some moments. And as time goes on, you and I both know distance makes the heart grow fonder. You kind of forget that last game and you remember all the feels, all the good feels you had about Gardner Minshew playing quarterback and all the all the publicity that the organization got. I oh, mean, yeah. trying to think about it too, from the Jacksonville PR standpoint, have they ever in the history of that organization had this much PR? Probably never. Maybe not since the first year where they made that great run. Right. Super Coughlin, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's about it. Mark Brunel.
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, well, you know, actually, two years ago, they played uh, the Patriots in the AFC Championship. and that was Yeah, but even then, that wasn't a PR team. I'm talking about like a media darling kind of situation where you had a star. Yeah, they're on the map, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, there really just hasn't been a lot for that franchise. And you know what? God bless Mark Burnell. Great player, but I don't know if I'd call him a star. Tony Baselli was a great player, star. I don't know. You know, you don't see Tony Baselli on national commercial type things. Yeah. Minshew yeah, was pushing I, that. I, uh, well, Fred Taylor, I think, was probably a star. That was their biggest. Um, <sighs> as close as you're going to get, probably. Hall yeah, of Famer. But, yeah. Oh, great player. Oh, Fred Taylor. Don't get me wrong. All right. Uh, third down, the college football playoff teams announced yesterday. Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and Penn State. Those were the four. And the reason why no one's in uproar over this, Joe, is because it doesn't matter. Because... Uh, Penn State's going to play Ohio State. Penn State's going to play Minnesota. LSU's going to play Alabama. And so Clemson is out for now. But, Joe, everybody knows that if Clemson wins the rest of their games, they're in. So kind of nice to have this come out yesterday, but a little bit meaningless because there's so many matchups head-to-head before the end. Well, that's what I'm curious. When they say announce it, like this this is just the four. Like, isn't it? I don't understand. Am I missing if, something? If the season yet? ended today, this would, right. be the, this would be the playoff. But the season doesn't end today, and so we, right. just, keep, we just keep going. So okay, there's so not I a lot of outrage because, again— you're going to have these teams playing against each other and it's going to sort itself out. But people are surprised that Penn State is ahead of Clemson. For example. Do you think some of the shine is off the uh, Trevor Lawrence Rose? No. No? Okay. So do you think Clemson does sneak into this four? Sneak? They don't you need to sneak. They're in. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, they're in. in. Okay. Yeah, okay. In. So yeah, who's out in. of the Penn four? Penn State uh, or Ohio State. I mean, one of these two teams going to lose. Okay. So you're saying the loser of that game, no matter who wins, loses Bama and LSU, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. So you're saying it's Ohio State, Penn State. So if you're you're a betting man, I was going to say if, but I'm not going to say if. You're a betting man. Who's uh, who's out, Ohio State or Penn State? Uh, Penn State, probably. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, Penn, listen, if Penn State loses at Minnesota this week, they're out, they're out and it doesn't even matter. And then it creates craziness if Penn State beats Ohio State. But my guess Ooh, is yeah. it's, it's Ohio State, LSU, Bama, and Clemson. I think that'll be the final four. Um, oh, that's a good four. I mean, those yeah, are, those I mean, are fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. The beginning of the season, that's what you I love the college football the playoff. I think I think it was so long overdue, and I just didn't get it. I don't understand why they couldn't have. And, and this yeah. is enough. I think it's enough of a playoff. I kind of uh, like you this. Think they could add four more. I could see that. I, I think that's going to come. No, it doesn't have to happen. You're probably yet, right. It's going to come. Anything better okay than what we had, it. it made no sense. Well, what we had was stupid, and this is at least much, much better. And there's something to the fact that it's only four, and it does yield a little bit more to these you know, uh, these conference games at the end, the conference championship kind of games where there's a little bit more weight there potentially. And I think that's kind of fun too. When you, when you sit back and look at it, okay. They're not going to, they're not going to go like 16 teams or anything like that. No, that's crazy. It's not even that. um, The bowls would lose money because they're taking away from the historical perspective of the Rose bowl and the Fiesta bowl and the orange bowl and, and TV ratings and interest would be completely gone if they decided to have them all as playoff games. And that's yeah, that's, that's why I that. like the four. I, I just like the four. The four is simple. The four everybody can get in on. You're probably right. There's too much greed out there where it's going to go to eight. Yeah, they're going to add more. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, fir- the first thing that'll be is it'll be six and the first two teams get buys. That's what they're talking about. And then eventually I think it'll go to eight. Uh, all right. Uh, real quick, fourth down here. We discussed this yesterday. <laughs> we could just touch on it again. Uh, Popeye's chicken, Joe. People are getting murdered over Popeye's chicken sandwiches. Deshaun Watson said he ate one and that's why they won. That's right. Well, not only did he win, but it cured his eye. He got kicked in the eye. And uh, after the game, he said the eye was great. And the key to his recovery was eating the Popeye's chicken spicy (laughs) sandwich. So I don't know what else there is to say. No, if you believe that, then you believe the Chargers are staying in L.A. All right, we'll take a quick time out. We'll be back. Uh, Are these players fantasy busts or is there still time to save their season? We'll ask Joe Pizzapia that when we come back next.
NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Do you trust me? Trust. Do you trust me? Or bust. You are so busted. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Join DailyRoto.com right now. Learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS line combinations and build stacks for tournaments on the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com. That's where millionaires are made. And yes, we have NHL going on, the NBA, college basketball, college football now on Tuesday nights. We have games tonight on Wednesday nights. It is just bonkers from now until the end of the season. So in terms of bonkers, there are some players that were drafted that have driven their fantasy teams bonkers over the course of the uh, fantasy football season. But since we're only halfway through the regular season, and again, week 17 is never going to count, and 90% of the people who are listening to the show are not going to be playing in their fantasy football championship. It's just true. I mean, yeah, if you're playing in 15 leagues, of course, then I would hope that you're playing in one. But for the most part, uh, these players have been fantasy busts no matter where you took them in fantasy this season. Whether you picked them up, played them, started them, sat them, they've been busts. They're still about five weeks left for them to save their fantasy season. And then if they save their fantasy season for you, in all likelihood, maybe you can use them in the playoffs. A lot of people forget last year, people like Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers, who was a virtual non-existent player until Aaron Jones went down in the fantasy football championship. And Jamal Williams was the second best fantasy running back in the fantasy football championship. So guys can save their seasons. The question is, will these players do it? So, Joe, let's kind of run through this here a little bit. You and I have talked a ton about Devin Singletary of the Buffalo Bills. I'm seeing him being started now in a lot of fantasy football lineups. He's got five weeks to save his fantasy season. He's had one good week. It was last week. That's it. The rest of the season's been a bust. Do you do you think that he saves his season over the next five weeks and at least grades out where you took him in fantasy? Because right now the grade has been a zero. Well, it's funny because I feel like this bit here of the setup is like that thing where you ask me to sit down and you pull out the chair and you're like, no, Joe, come, come on, sit down, sit down, Joe. <laughs> and I say, are you sure? And you're like, no, no, I mean it. I want you to sit down on this chair. I really. Oh, this was like Lucy with the foot with the football. No, it's Charlie totally Brown. Lucy with the football, and I'm yeah. Charlie Brown. I'm bald, and uh, so there you go. <laughs> so there. No, there you no, have I, it. I think that this is the this is the reclamation uh-huh. project. It's like eliminate everything that you saw. You got one more chance to get well, it you- right. Okay, this well, you it. keep calling him a failure. I'll call him an incomplete because of the injury. And also because you drafted him as, again, probably an RB4. Uh, if you look at Fantasy Pros, when the season started, God, I'd have to pull up where that is. But he was number 64 overall at running back. So I can't call that a bust. I call it incomplete because he hasn't been on the field. Now, going forward, I do believe, as I've stuck to my guns here, put it in black and white in the black book, that Singletary would be a guy in the second half that could help win you a league, like a guy that will carry you for the not carry you, but basically be the RB2 that you want him to be later in the season. All of our expectations got moved up quickly because he had such a good preseason because LaShawn McCoy got moved on and all those little things got us more excited that, oh my goodness, the time frame might move from weeks 8 to week 17 to maybe week 1 
And then you saw him in week one. He didn't touch the ball much until that fourth quarter. And oh, my goodness, did he touch the ball in that Jet game. And my goodness, did he make an impact in that game. And that's how they got the W. So there was a lot of reason to be excited that things were going in the right direction. I'm going to say this. He is not going to be a bust the second half of the season. I think that they are a much more dynamic football team when he touches the ball. I think he's the missing element to that offense because although Frank Gore is very capable, he does not bring what Singletary brings to the table. I don't think Frank Gore is a guy that's going to be breaking big runs. I don't think a guy who is going to be uh, changing the the game flow, you know, changing that momentum of the game. And Singletary can do that, and therefore I think they're going to give him the touches to do that, and I think it's going to start this week. Is, uh, it actually was, probably started last week, to be honest. Well, we'll see. Was Darius Geis a fantasy bust this year? Uh, yes, because he was way higher. Darius Geis was drafted. I have to look here, too. Uh, he's definitely in the higher rung. That's for sure. He's. I think he's in the 30s. Yep, 30. Oh, my God, I'm good. Look at that. Number 30 overall. So that's twice as high. In but why wouldn't he get an incomplete? He was hurt. Well, he gets an incomplete, but he's more of a bust because he was drafted right as that fringe, like a flex player. Guys that you draft not to start on your team, I have a hard time calling busts. I call them disappointments because bust to me, that's like maybe it's semantic argument. Bust to me is a guy that fails you and then kills your team. I don't think Singletary is killing your team. You're just frustrated with what's going on. And it's maybe made you miss out on free agents because you had to hold them in a dead spot in your lineup. So it was Barkley on your boss? roster. Um, hey, close. David Johnson. Yes. Yeah, and, and injuries involved with these guys, too. Yes, but also ADP investment. You know, I think there's a big difference between taking a shot on a guy and being wrong. Well, I mean, you could certainly categorize it differently. In when you're I think it's but, very I, well, I think I think just from a I mean, from a logic standpoint, don't you think it's far more disappointing to draft a guy who you're drafting as your number one ab- talent? Ab- not absolutely. Play? But the way okay. I look at it is that a, is I kind of look at it. Maybe I shouldn't. But as a I don't think you should loop. I don't think you compare the two. I don't think you can compare Saquon Barkley to Devin Singletary. Or Geis, for that matter. Um, well, what about Lamar Miller? Lamar Miller's a bust, sure. So Lamar played, Miller was drafted as an RB2, solid RB2, probably somewhere in the team. 20s, I would say, probably 22. All right. All right, let's move. Let's, uh, let, we're never going to get through all these. If we all right, this. so let's go. I'll be quick. Um, Montgomery, five more weeks. <laughs> Here you go again. Okay, you got the football out there, Charlie? Okay. Listen, I'm playing him. I, I played him last week. Finally, <laughs> I finally got what I was waiting for all season long. I'm going to keep got playing a touchdown game. Hey, all right, well, here's the thing. He's got a touchdown in three of his last four games. Um, you would like to see the carry volume go more towards that 27 than the 14. But if he can settle somewhere in between, yeah, I think there's opportunity here. I don't know what Matt Nagy needs to be hit over the head with. Realize that the game is to let this on the ball 20 times. in the first half. Consideration for RB2. I know for me he was. So he bust so far. The year I think I mystic. All right, how about Damian Williams of Kansas City? I'm going to say bust all year. I said bust first half of the year. I was right about that. I'm going to say bust for second half of the year as well. I think everybody's getting way too wrapped up in the one giant 95-yard run that he had yesterday. And granted, that was great. But at the same time, when Mahomes was there, things weren't working out with Damian Williams in this offense. I just I just feel like they're just going to throw the hell out of the football and it doesn't matter. So I'm going to say bust. Joe Mixon of the Bengals. Got a few weeks left to save his season. Uh, I'm going to say Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's definitely been a bust. This is another guy, second round ADP. So he's a bust from that standpoint. And it's hard to imagine all of a sudden changing to this rookie quarterback and things all of a sudden picking up business. 
So I'm going to say bust through the entire season. I don't think he can save the season. You know, this good second half here. Okay. Uh, Duke Johnson was was traded to Houston right before the year, and his ADP uh, kind of shot up a little. And for the, like the fifth consecutive year, he's more or less been a guy you can't start. All of a sudden, Joe, uh, he, out of nowhere last week, basically against Jacksonville, people are starting to be back on that train again. Uh, but Hyde has looked pretty good, so I don't know. What do you think? Next five weeks, does, does he have a chance to save his fantasy season? It's been almost a zero. Duke Johnson, his value in, in our rosters is so relative to when you drafted. Because if you did draft early and he was just kind of a guy you had towards the back end as depth, then you were happy. And maybe you used him as a flex a couple times when he had some matchups or maybe you had some injuries or buys and he was useful. So in that sense, he was not a bust. I think Duke Johnson was a bust for many teams that did exactly what you said, which is all of a sudden, oh my God, Lamar Miller's out, move up, uh, move up uh, Duke Johnson all the way. It's going to be a big Duke Johnson thing. And then of course they acquire Hyde, who's been the steadier guy and the guy that they've given the ball to more. And I think from that perspective, he's been a bust. And I kind of find it hard to believe that all of a sudden here in the second half that he is going to just have these kind of games that he had last week. I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. So I'll ask you so far, like, you know, we kind of, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I know we went over Joe Mixon real fast, but do you think Joe Mixon with the different change of quarterback here, there's any hope for him the second half? That's a good schedule. I think there's a chance that... A good enough schedule to save the, what yeah, he did to you in the uh, first? I don't know that he can save his season, but somebody actually asked me this morning about him, and my answer was, you got to look at that schedule. They get the Browns. I mean, look, the Browns still don't look like they're going anywhere. They get the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, even though Bell didn't really run really well. I would say that Mixon is a flex player, because of the matchups the rest of the season, I don't think he's going to save his ADP. But I, I don't, I wouldn't get rid of him. I, I think I would start starting him. And and who knows? Maybe there's a little bit of a change in, in you know, as you mentioned with the quarterback. Maybe there's a little bit of a change in philosophy. We'll see. Um, uh, Kenyon Drake, a complete zero on Miami wherever you took him for his ADP. And if you if you were one of the lucky ones that hung on to him all season and the luckiest one actually play him in that game last Thursday night, then you finally <laughs> got something. Uh, I find it hard to believe that anybody who drafted him held on to him that long and also played him on Thursday night, Joe. I just think that's the reality of fantasy, and I wouldn't blame anybody for it. The question is, does he save his fantasy season? He certainly, if if he did anything in the next half a dozen games, it would be a season-saving deal for him. But I don't know. Did we see his best game already? Well, it's possible he saw his best game, but it doesn't mean he can't be useful. My concern now is, where's David Johnson? Is he healthy enough to play? They say he is. But they said that a couple weeks ago and then he didn't play. So this is this is really about what you believe David Johnson's health is or isn't. And the strange part is they went out and they got a couple other running backs. And then on top of that, they added Kenyon Drake. So that to me keeps sending up the flagpole situation of, hey, these guys aren't 100 percent. I'm going to say there's a chance Kenyon Drake can save his value because chances are he was probably dropped in a lot of leagues. So when you're picking a guy up the waiver wire. Yeah, I think if he can have a couple at least flex type appeal weeks. It's absolutely a win for Kenyon Drake owners, and I hope as a free agent he gets that because I think next year he can really help a team who actually will give him the football. Yeah, I, I think he has to have somebody else with him, but I do think that he uh, he, he should be a starter somewhere for sure. Uh, DK Metcalf was not drafted high in any fantasy league, Joe, but certainly he was taken as, as a wide receiver three or four with some upside. There was almost none for about six weeks. All of a sudden, Metcalf is one of the top five uh, receiving scorers in fantasy over the last couple of weeks. Is there a chance that this guy takes off the rest of the season? Uh, there is. He's made a lot of improvements. Uh, you see the targeting is very favorable for him in the end zone. You also see a lot going on there in a positive in terms of him and Russell Wilson being on the same page. And I actually think Josh Gordon's a positive because another player on the field means somebody else to account for. And the 
you know, whatever you think of Josh Gordon, you know, whether it be positive or negative, I think at the end of the day, you look at it and go, he's another body to defend at the very least. So for me, I think that's a big positive for DK Metcalf. I'm definitely buying him rest of the season. All right. Uh, coming up next, this is one that you won't want to miss as we're going to get into a little bit of acting and a little bit of fantasy. And Joe, I'm very excited to bring our next guest on. Yeah, me too. A good friend of mine from my acting school days here and uh, acting in the real world as well. So Craig DeFrancy is going to join us uh, from Power and from the new Scorsese hit, The Irishman. So that's very exciting, Mr. Mish. Yeah, and his name is Craig. It's got to be a good interview. Craig DeFrancy <laughs> joins us next here on Fantasy Sports Today. The Irishman is out in theaters now. Limited, uh, limited movies, but it will be on Netflix in a few weeks. The reviews are off the charts. Don't go away. He's coming up next. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We're real excited for this segment and our next interview. Of course, Joe Pizzapia and Craig Mish. And today we bring on the show Craig DeFrancia. And you may know his name because he's Marshall Romano on the hit show Power on stars and also dominic and last year's best picture award winner the green book and now he's appearing in probably the most highly anticipated film of the year no question about that in theaters limited and then on netflix starting november 28th of course everybody knows the irishman which uh, the cast is literally incredible takes you back to the old days of goodfellas and casino and it's the reviews already for the people who have seen this thing say it's going to be the movie of the year and craig is in it so we're very excited to have him in and on fantasy sports today and craig thank you for coming on with joe and i how are you craig and joe guys thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to talk some sports and some film well let's uh let's start off with this uh i mean what is it like holding an academy award in your hand as an actor who worked so many years to achieve that i know really what an incredible moment it must have been for you last year wow i mean you know to hold i mean we actually we won three academy awards last year and to hold two i i really wanted to grow another arm to hold the other <laughs> but, uh, fortunately i couldn't do that but to 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 actually you know i was i was at a i was at the palladium at a private party for the announcement when i was in california and to watch julia roberts come out and announce the green book was a a euphoric experience that I cannot explain. Um, I mean, uh, for an actor, it's like winning, you know, for an actor, I guess I could compare it to uh, an athlete winning the Super Bowl. You know, it was just a, 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 a euphoric experience that, I mean, I laughed, I cried, I screamed up and down, <laughs> up and down the aisles and the accolades and the pictures and the, the carpets. It's been a, a, a huge blessing and I'm hugely thankful for the entire experience and working with those guys and, and Nick Vallelonga and Vigo, uh, Vigo Morton to name a few, Nick Vallelonga, those guys, it's a true story, and they deserve it. They deserve it. I mean, you know, they put the time, the effort, the work, and this has been a project that's been around for quite some time, and um, we're just, I'm just happy to be a part of it. It was a really, really uh, uh, great film, a great experience. 
Now, Craig and I have known each other for almost 20 years. We went to acting school together uh, at the Esper Studio in New York. And uh, can you imagine that? 20 years, baby. And I'm, I'm so proud because nobody's ever hustled and worked more than you and, and just continuing, always always out there, always you know plugging along, plugging along. So when I see success of guys like you in this industry, it makes me happy because I know how hard you work. And you know we were on that trail together for many, many years. And it's so great mm-hmm. to see you have success. And now here you are working with Scorsese. So here you go. The Italian from New York, the actor playing a mobster, playing Carmine Persico in a Scorsese film. The ultimate cliche, but at the same time, there's got to be a little bit of like wish fulfillment in there, right? For the I'm the Italian guy who gets to be who grew up watching The Godfather and Goodfellas and all that stuff, and now you get to work with Scorsese in it in a film about mobsters. I mean, it's kind of although it's cliche, it's amazingly fun, and I'm sure you're excited about it. But tell me, what was it like being on set here with Scorsese and his process? Because I'm sure you know, like just like the great coaches, the Belichicks of the world, the Harbaugh's of the world. What's it like being on a set and watching this guy work his craft? Oh man! Uh, first off, first and foremost, uh, I, I'm in the I'm in the film. Don't blink because you'll miss me. I do. They do the hit on Albert Anastasia, uh, which is it's a very dramatic, expressive, swooping shot. Only that only Scorsese has the eye for. And um, I guess you know, being on set, I was on set. I shot the last day of shooting. Wow. Working with yeah, well, it was the last day. I got cast the last day of of casting, and then I shot actually on the last day. So and I was. Uh, talking to my agent, you know, I got to get into this film. I, I feel I'm right, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, you know, I finally, it finally happens. And I was a blessing. But uh, to get back to your question, Joe, the, uh, to work with Mr. Scorsese was a dream come true, man. First, uh, you know, when you get there, you're like, holy cow, I'm actually, this is Marty and I'm actually working with him. You know, you got to get over that, that, that. Did you call him Marty? Of, did not. You called him Mr. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do well. You did not call, did you call him Marty? Uh, no, I called him Mr. Scorsese. Yeah, I, he told me to call him, you know, <laughs> always, I mean, you know, he's a legend, so I, you know, he deserves all the accolades and all the respect. So when I, and I first got there, he was, he was very nice, very warm, very welcoming. And then once we got over that, we got right to work, you know, uh, we started talking about marks and, and, and where the camera's going to be and action and intention and all the good things that Bill taught us back in school, which was really great. He's a, he's a fundamental he, he, he works with fundamentals and keeps it basic. You know, we talk about objectives and things like that, and, and it went right from there. But I have to tell you, to watch him watching the monitors was amazing. I've never seen somebody, one, with film as much as Mr. Scorsese was. I mean, he, he Joe and Craig, he is so animated while he's watching these while he's watching the daily, he's like, he's making facial expressions up, down, out of the seat, sitting back in the seat. Like, he's almost childlike in his approach because his love and passion is just so exuberant that it, it just exudes out of his body. And it's amazing to watch. And it, it was one of the best experiences I've had so far in my career. Craig DeFrancy is with us. You can catch him on the hit show Power and also has a role in the upcoming movie, The Irishman, which uh, you've had a chance to see. And so we don't do spoilers on the show, Craig, clearly. But the no. reviews for the movie take us back to uh, one of the best mob movies of all time in Goodfellas. There's like uh, the meters are like 99% positive on this one. And yet there are people thrown off when they hear that this movie's three hours. So I would ask you uh, without giving away everything in the movie, is this going to live up to the hype from what people are talking about? Um, I'm not a big believer in hype. I like to form my own opinions. Even when a film will get not so, not so savvy reviews, I will go see it and form my own opinion. However, I've seen the film twice. Three and a half hours goes by, and it feels like an hour and a half. You're so engaged in this film. You so want to be a part of this film, in, into this film, that that it, the time 
there's not the essence. You don't even feel it. It is, it's a really, really great piece of film. And, uh, you know, to, to, for, for all of the, the all-star cast that has been incorporated in this film, it really comes out. And there are so many scene stealers. I mean, Joe Pesci is absolutely amazing in it. Um, Al Pacino is great. And, uh, also, uh, Harvey Keitel. Is in it. He's, he yeah, has it's like all the, the whole crew, of... like all the guys from all the movies, is just unbelievable. Pesci doesn't get enough credit as an actor, just generally speaking. I feel like you go back and you watch Raging Bull, you go back and you watch Casino, you go back and watch Goodfellas. Pesci's the that's you know everybody talks about De Niro, but I feel like Pesci doesn't get enough credit, right, Craig? Agreed, a hundred percent. You know, I I really I mean, Niro's performance is amazing. But, you know, I, I really felt like Joe Pesci really came into his own, and I mean, he played the silent Don, he played Buffalo uh, Buffalino. Was just, but he really encompassed him. He he says it without saying it. His mm-hmm. actions and his mannerisms. That's I mean that's the key. And he really comes across like a like a tough guy, but very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, growing up in some of the neighborhoods I know we grew up in, we experienced some of these characters, should I say, firsthand. And uh, uh, yeah. it's certainly it's certainly fun to you know see people's interpretations, and that's why they're just so good because they grew up there too, and I think that's why they have such a different take. It's so much more realistic and, and in many ways more terrifying. Now, speaking of terrifying, I know you're a Giants fan, so it's been a rough couple of years uh, for you. So I want to talk about this because I feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. I, I understand that there's still some L's piling up, but you've made the transition mm-hmm. out of Daniel Jones. I know not everybody was super excited about this draft pick. Many Giant fans were not. Are you happy so far? You see Saquon, you see Daniel Jones. Do you see future here where, yeah, it might be a lot of L's this season, but maybe a brighter 2020 on the horizon for the Giants? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I, we have a frame. We have Daniel Jones. You know, I, I really loved his performance. I watched him in the preseason. I'm like, this kid is spot on. I was a little skeptical, obviously, as everyone else was when, when the pick came out. I'm like, but the Giants, you know, that's their job. That They obviously know a lot more than me about, about football and about picks than myself. So I, I trust in them, and I embraced him as a Giant. Watched him in preseason, enjoyed his throws, enjoyed his accuracy. Granted, he is a rookie. Rookies will make mistakes. He's going to throw picks. I know that. That's inevitable. I've accepted that. However, <laughs> with him and Barkley, and, and with the and with the addition of Golden Tate, he's fantastic. I mean, you know, we, we have we have a really good a good core crew. Now we just have to put all, everything together and, and hopefully get a win. I, you know, it's it's tough. I don't I don't I don't see us going anywhere this year. However, I know next year will do something for us. Craig DeFrancia is with us, and The Irishman comes out uh, on Netflix on November the 28th, and uh, you guys who subscribe to Netflix can catch it. Otherwise, get on that now. You can also uh, catch Craig in the TV show called Power. I'm sure many people are aware of that as well. Um, Now, from what I understand, the weekends, Craig, when you're not acting, are spent with maybe having some action on games. I don't know if that's correct or incorrect. Uh, in New Jersey, uh, yeah. and now it is legal. Yeah, I dabble. Uh, of course. <laughs> in New Jersey, it's legal. In New York, it's the guy on the corner. I'm sure. So, um, <laughs> what kind, what, what, what kind of season are you having this year? Uh, are you up? Uh, are you down? I'm, I'm, I'm up. I'm having actually a good season this year. Uh, knock on wood. Um, last week, I hit a couple of parlays, which was a lot of fun, and uh, pushed on a couple. I, I'm a big fan of like I'll do a three team parlay and then hedge. At the second uh, for the last game, Ooh, this okay. way it's a guaranteed W. If I hit, if I hit the uh, the first two, okay. oh yeah. And and, uh, and what what kind of figures are we throwing around here, Craig? Come on. Uh, <laughs> hey, no. oh, uh, you don't uh, ask a man about his uh, figures. Oh, well, you know, we don't talk about that. But yeah, you know, I, I do play and I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it a lot. Yeah, whack for that uh, question, Mish. What are you doing? Well, listen, uh, you know, uh, I got my <laughs> own joke. Yeah, you know, Craig, I got my own Joe P here on the show. Not Pesci, Pesapia, you know? Yeah, I got my, I got my own guy. How was Joe like, by the way, in acting school with you? 
Uh, let me tell you something. I'm so glad you asked that because we, we got off a tangent and Joe started mentioning acting school and I wanted to talk about Joe's performances in acting school. Let me tell you something. Joe is a great actor. His independent activities, we do some exercises in class. Joe is a fantastic actor. His, I remember some of his independent activities were so unique and so memorable that they're still imprinted in my brain and I still refer to them these days. I mean, Joe, Joe was one of the top three in the class. And wow. I'm not just blowing smoke. That's, 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 that's from the heart. That's from the heart, Joe. And I mean that with all my heart. I look forward. I want to come out of retirement one time just to go do something with you. I, I've already said that. That's it. That's the guy that gets me out of retirement is my buddy Craig. That's about it. Well, well good. Well, we're, you know what? I'm working, on, I'm working on a couple of projects, too. So we would definitely talk oh, about Oh, look that. at this. You now, you'll be interviewing me next time, Mish. See what's going on here? There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Craig, before we, uh, before we wrap up here, um, you yeah. know, tell people kind of about you know what besides the the great movie that we're going to get you a chance to see on november the 28th where also can people find you uh whether it's in movies or or on the small screen big screen let people know uh well you guys can follow me at uh at Craig DeFrancy on instagram that's uh for all my latest projects and stuff like that i have a role in this film directed by Hermie Gouillere, which is called the sound of philadelphia which i was on location in south philly for uh two weeks which is really really a uh a, a dark dark uh mob story about it's not really a mob story but it's you know this guy gets his sister's killed and he wants to find out who killed his sister and why and it's going to be a really amazing film i'm really glad to be a part of that um that's going on i also uh executive producing a reality tv show called vinyl garage which uh, which i'm shopping right now and myself and larry mazza who i met on the set of the irishman and uh myself and and larry uh, are in the scene together with, with Killing of Abbott Anastasia. He is an actual Columbo made member captain in the Columbo crime family. Hmm. And Mr. Yeah, and Mr. Scorsese and Mr. De Niro are in talks right now of doing his life story, which uh, Larry has been kind enough to ask me to come aboard and produce as well as uh, play one of the roles in, in this episodic, which is happening within the next six months. And that's the one I'm talking to you about, Joe. That's the one you're going to be. In, uh, so. I'm ready, baby. Say when. I still got the goods, and I'm more handsome now than I was even then. So there you go. Well, that, that's debatable for sure. But other than that, <laughs> face for radio, Mish. Uh, yeah, I mean, hanging out with me on internet radio, Craig. Um, thanks, uh, Craig. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Best of luck with all of your projects, and thanks for taking the time today here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll look forward to seeing the movie on the 28th of November. I know that I will be catching it as soon as it drops. Thanks again. Thanks, brother. Oh God, thank you so much, guys. Have a great day and keep smiling. All right, there he is. Craig DeFrancia with us here on the show. The Irishman, November the 28th on Netflix. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today with the best of the first hour. Don't go NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Tell me, what was it like being on set here 
with Scorsese and his process? Because I'm sure, you know, like just like the great coaches, the Belichicks of the world, the Harbaugh's of the world. What's it like being on a set and watching this guy work his craft? Oh, man. Uh, first, off, first and foremost, uh, I, I'm, in the, I'm in the film. Don't blink because you'll miss me. I do, they do the hit on Albert Anastasia, uh, which is it's a very dramatic, expressive, swooping shot only that only Scorsese has the eye for. And um, I guess, you know, being on set, I was on set. I shot the last day of shooting. Wow. Working was, yeah, well, it was the last day. I got cast the last day. Of, of casting and then I shot actually on the last day so and I was uh, talking to my agent you know I got to get into this film I, I feel I'm right blah 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 next thing you know you know I finally it finally happens and it was a blessing but uh, to get back to your question Joe the, uh, to work with Mr. Scorsese was a dream come true man first uh, you know when you get there you're like holy cow I'm actually this is Marty and I'm actually working with him you know you got to get over that 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 did you call him Marty? Of, did not. You called him Mr. Yeah. I know you too well. You did not call, did you call him Marty? Uh, no, I called him Mr. Scorsese. Yeah, I, he told me to call him. You know, <laughs> always, I mean, he's, you know, he's a legend, so I, you know, he deserves all the accolades and all the respect. So when I, when I first got there, he was, he was very nice, very warm, very welcoming. And then once we got over that, we got right to work. You know, uh, we started talking about marks and, and, and where the camera's going to be and action and intention and all the good things that Bill taught us back in school was really great he's a he's a fundamental he, he, he works with fundamentals it was one of the best experiences i've had so far in my career <laughs>